Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Well, good afternoon. Good to see you all today. I want to thank uh, our speaker last week, Pastor Tammy Sinkamani, for her sermon. Looking forward to Tammy's 16-part series coming up on women in ministry. We look forward to that, Tammy. It's going to be amazing. So amazing. Well, we are in the Dangerous Worship series, and today... I get the topic, dangerous expressions in worship. Now, because I used to be a teacher, we were going to start with a quiz. But uh, first, I want to tell you just what our game plan here is. Um, We'll have the quiz, tell a story, talk about some principles, worship, general. Then we'll look at some scriptures, and then I'll finish with a couple more stories. Now, the stories that I'm telling today um, are stories that I've never shared before. Uh, when I've come up and preached before, uh, I was in a doctorate program. I was very theologically heavy and minded. I used lots of big words. And today I thought I'd just tell some stories to, to, to go along with what we're doing. But I'll tell you the, where I'm going, and that is this. The more that we love God, the more dangerous our expressions may be. All right, quiz time. First example, good or bad worship? So that is Rick Pino leading a youth group. And when I moved here to Florida in 2011, that video surfaced on uh, YouTube. And that was somewhere here in Central Florida. He was leading youth group. He had told them that the ground they were on was holy and to take off their shoes and socks and to start swinging their socks in the air like they just don't care, was his words. If you were to watch the rest of the video, uh, Rick, uh, he covered, of course, that classic 80s song from Dead or Alive and simply added the word Jesus in there. All right, song number two. you listen to that in church? That, of course, is music by Georges Bizet from his opera Carmen, an intermezzo, a story of murder and prostitution. (laughs) So how do we decide what we're going to use and what is dangerous? Now, if you're looking for some of the simple answers, I'm afraid I'm not going to give that to you. But if you want to go really dig deep into this, I already preached 
that whole sermon series, and you could, I made it easy for you. You can find it on my YouTube channel, YouTube at Richard Hickam, and I've created a sermon playlist. So if that's your thing, you can dig deep and we probe into all the theological reasons and history and all those kind of things. Well, the year was 1995. I was living in Loma Linda, California. I was playing in an acoustic Latin jazz band, also a ska band. And I had recently played with one of the members of the San Francisco band Tower of Power. I felt like, boy, things were kind of moving along in one sense, but in another sense, my life was crumbling. I um, was making some, I'll just say, some terrible health-related choices. We'll just leave it at that. I couldn't get my act together. At 25, my friends were finishing college, starting to get married, and I had nothing to show. I was just out in California doing my thing. Well, my grandparents who worked at the medical center there um, were wonderful people, and I was living in their basement, and my grandfather had a small library uh, there in this basement, and I remember picking up a book, The Desire of Ages. And as I was reading, it pointed me towards Jesus. It pointed me towards scripture. And I felt, I felt different. And so I decided over a period of time that it was time for a change. Now I had heard back in Tennessee where I'd come from that the orchestra was getting ready to head to Scotland and England the following year. I said, I'm gonna hitch to that train because that's someplace that I wanna go, it was time for a change. Well, you know, when, when you are at a point in life where you're making these big transitions, there are some real spiritual battles that take place. And this was a time where one took place for me. I distinctly remember this evening as I was going to tell one of my friends who I'd been partying with that I was making a decision in my life and I was gonna leave. And so I vividly remember driving my little Volkswagen convertible down I-10 in Redlands, California, and starting to tell him about Jesus. As the conversation was continuing, I saw him grow more and more agitated. He, he, he started to physically move, and he started to yell, and he told me to pull the car over. So I pulled the car over, and he jumped out of my car and he took off running and I never saw him again. Now I'm gonna come back to that story a little bit later. So a couple of principles of worship that I'd like to talk about. And first I wanna say this, there are seven, when we say worship, there, worship happens in several different ways. First and foremost is the individual worship that we all have with God. That is first and foremost. Secondly, worship often may happen in a family context. How does your family worship together? How you were raised? And thirdly, how do we worship together when we come together as a body? Now, this is a Seventh-day Adventist church. There's a Seventh-day Adventist church just down the road over here. There's a bunch over this way. and if we were to go 
to most of those other churches right now, and we were to take this music with us today, it would not be appropriate because that is not their culture. So I want to explain some of this a little bit. Now, first of all, how do we look at scripture and figure these things out? The first thing that we do, and there's a lot of theological terms, but I'm just going to tell you in an easy way. When we take a verse of scripture, and we as Adventists can be really bad at this, Leonard Sweet calls this versitis. We love to have our verses to defend what we do. But what we have to do is we take a verse and we examine the chapter where it's from. We take the chapter and we look at the book that it's from and the author. And then we look at which testament it's from. And then we look at the overarching message of scripture. And we take a verse and we say, is this in harmony with everything else? Or is this something that's isolated and we need to be careful about? And then we look at the words that are used. Words are very important. And, and I hate to break it some to some of you, but scripture was not recorded in King James English. That's all translated. We have to look and examine very carefully. Who was it written to? It was written to a group of people in a specific town, in a place. Are there things that can apply to us? And what was the context? What was happening there in that culture that made something re relevant? All things that we have to consider. So I want to look back at our scripture from today. 1 Corinthians 14. What shall we say then, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. There is a lot happening in Paul's church. People are prophesying, speaking in tongues, singing hymns. And Paul says this key phrase, as we heard presented, everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So again, what may happen for you personally is one thing. What may happen with your family is one thing. And then when we all come together, everything has to be done so that the church may be built up. And as we look at that, some different language used, what strengthens all of you? There's the big word edification. What's for the good of all the church and what helps the church? All things that we have to consider. I want you to picture in your mind a suspension bridge. You guys know what a suspension bridge is, right? The suspension bridge has anchors and then it has this flexibility on the top so it's not rigid so that it can move, but it can stay anchored. And I want you to think of that in the context of our conversation today. So we have some biblical constants that we look at. We see things that happen regularly. I'm going to bring this Acts verse up shortly. And also the principles in worship that we see happening all over the place. There are anchor points. And when we're anchored, the bridge can flex. The wind blows, rain comes, but it's okay because we're grounded. But we have movement that's just fine. All right, I want to look at a couple texts. We love to focus on the fourth commandment. Wonderful. That's great. But primacy, the first commandment is the first commandment for a reason. God is God and we are not. God says, you shall have no other gods before me. 
Now, in the time that this was written, of course, there was Moloch and Shamash and all these Canaanite gods, and they were sacrificing children and horrible things were going on to separate themselves. They had to cut their hair in a certain way and do all these very specific types of things. Now, today, this could mean all kinds of things. We generally like to worship ourselves currently, or we're very happy with Netflix or whatever we're doing, and we just tend to be complacent. But God says that I am God and you are not. And let's remember that when it comes to worship. In the book of John, one of the most uh, primacy uh, scriptures that we have is where Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, and he says, God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and in, right? And so we often have groups of people these days, uh, the Adventists, which one of those would they tend to be, spirit or truth? We, we tend to focus on truth. We would like to be people of the spirit, but we're sometimes okay with that. All right, Jesus said spirit and truth. Now, the Holy Spirit was getting ready to come shortly at Pentecost, and we we're going to have a whole different church that's getting ready to happen. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But spirit and in truth. And when I think about that, it can mean several different things. But one thing I was thinking as I was singing today, singing truth and in my spirit, I felt whole. I felt it all coming together. My body, my emotions, and the truth were all there together. So there's this text in Acts, which was one of, the, one of those pillars. And this is referenced a lot as what things that we should do. This is what they were doing in the New Testament church. So let's look at what they were doing as we talk about that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. There was fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. They were praising of God, praising God and had favor with all the people. All right, so here's a, here's a little model that we have. We have teaching going on. We're together breaking bread. Sometimes we can do that as a meal. Sometimes we have communion. All right, and prayer is always a, a great thing. Even in church, even now, we can be praying. And that is a good thing. So, so how do we carry some of these out? Here's some, a couple of, just a couple of verses real quick about how we, how we live this out. All right, Corinthians text, whether you eat or drink, and I love this next part, whatever you do, I don't really need to specify, I'm gonna eat or drink, but whatever you do, do it all for God's glory. I urge you, brothers and sisters, God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, that great text in Romans. And then, this text I love from Philippians, the book of joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. It's a theme throughout scripture. We were just singing it earlier. Lord, you're good and you're, we worship you forever. Hallelujah. That's taken from Chronicles when they were celebrating the new temple. And they just repeated that line in unison. And what happened? The Shekinah glory filled the place with the cloud and nothing could happen because of God's glory that came. All right, there's these two texts that Paul gives that mirror each other, Colossians, Ephesians, 
And he says, let the Christ, word of Christ dwell on you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. So I'll just stop right there. Paul talks about a variety of things happening. And that's what I love to see. We have gospel music. We have acapella. We do all kinds of things. And Paul says those are the kinds of things that God honors God. And then he adds this part too. And since it's November, this is especially pro- appropriate. With what? Thankfulness. Thankfulness in your hearts to God. We're thankful people. And thankfulness in worship is always appropriate. All right, a couple stories. And then we'll finish out in a call to action. Just before... Pastor Andy called me in 2011. I was on a mission trip, my first mission trip, and I had taken our high school orchestra, College Dale, and our choir, and we were on the island of Fiji. I know, sends in your mind a very tough mission trip, doesn't it? <laughs> so we're, we're going, and we had the opportunity to perform a concert in a prison in the jungle. Now, when we told some of the parents that we were going to be, had this opportunity, the dangerous expression of worship came to the mind. Is this something that my child should be doing? Should they be having going to a prison? Well, it turned out to be the most amazing thing that I've ever done with musicians. And I believe me, I've had the, the privilege to do a few wonderful things. And this is what happened. We left that day, we got on our bus, we drove down the road, we turned onto the dirt road, we went into the jungle. We pulled into this prison and they had the cement buildings and then in the center they had a green space. And so the high school students, they'd put up some little kind of tent things to protect us from the sun. We're out there and we started to play our little concert. The concert finished with us playing the hallelujah chorus. As we started playing, the prisoners came to their window cell and started to sing with us, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The prisoners singing praise to God. And these young people had the privilege to experience that and experience the gospel, the dangerous gospel, the expression in a very real way. So when I, I'm going to go back to my earlier story. I told my friend, he took off and I moved back to Tennessee. I started back to go to college. I was now a little bit older student. So uh, I was given some extra responsibilities at that time. I became the student director of the orchestra. I was the head announcer at the classical radio station. And then I, um, I had some troubles, though, because I'd been playing this jazz and I had these associations with rock music and jazz. I was just focused on classical music. I couldn't, I couldn't let myself go to these places. And I remember a trip that I took here to Florida and we were driving in this van to Zephyr Hills. And my friend, who was from Sweden, he was a trumpet player. He'd played in the Kingsguard there. Amazing Christian. And he put in the CD in the player. And it was a CD called Big Band hymns. 
I started listening to this and I, and I was like, is this okay? Are we allowed to listen to this? And it was from there that I started to sense that things were okay. It was, it was all right. I, that God could redeem the music. God could use it for his glory. And so I began to take a chance. And I started to explore this area. I eventually finished college and, and I got a job there and I met my, my beautiful wife. We had a couple of daughters. And I was working years later one day and I got a message on Facebook. And this is what it said. Rich, it looks like you, but just a little bit more of you. It's been 12 or 13 years since I have seen you. I hope this is the Richard Hickam I am looking for. I replied back, that is indeed me and a little bit more of me. And this is what he said. Brother man, it has been longer than I can count or really even remember. The last thing I remember is one night and you trying to talk some sense into me. I never got to thank you for that. You know, God is patient and will wait for a lifetime. Well, he waited about another year and he showed me a better way. Life has a way of getting better for those who go down the correct path. I could not ask for a better life, wife, and kids. And he went on from there to say a couple things. Sometimes we may not see the fruit of our dangerous expressions for years or even ever. And it reminds me of the work of teachers that are planting those seeds. So last Monday was a holiday. It was what? Yes, it was Reformation Day. Thank you. Thank you, pagans. <laughs> So, of course, I'll tell you a story of Martin Luther to close out. It comes by the way of Barclay. No, not William Barclay. Some of you, it's, I mean, not Charles Barclay, but William Barclay, a Scottish theologian. And he takes this story from Matthew 9, 37 and 38. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. A person might say, I will pray for the coming of Christ's kingdom every day in my, in my life. But in this, as in many things, prayer without works is dead. Martin Luther had a friend who felt about the Christian faith as he did. Now his friend was also a monk. They came to an agreement. Luther would go down into the dust and the heat of the battle for the Reformation in the world. The friend would stay in the monastery and uphold Luther's hands in prayer. So they began that way. Then, one night, the friend had a dream. He saw a vast field of corn as big as the world, and one solitary man was seeking to reap it an impossible and a heartbreaking task. 
Then he caught a glimpse of the reaper's face. And the reaper was Martin Luther. And Luther's friend saw the truth in a flash. I must leave my prayers, he said, and get to work. And so he left his pious solitude and went down to the world to labor in the harvest. Now there are those who cannot do any other than to pray, for life has laid them helpless. And their prayers are indeed the strength of the laborers. But that's not the way for most of us. For those who have the strength of body and health of mind, prayer and action become a dangerous expression of worship. As we leave the safe confines of our own homes and go out into the communities we serve, the harvest is still ripe. God calls each of us to be his workers in different ways. He's given each of us specific abilities and even our finances to grow his kingdom, if we choose to. When we realize who God is and what he has done for us, and then choose to enter into a relationship, together our expressions can become dangerous. Again, some of our modern challenges are the wrong kind of love for self and the danger of complacency. So to close, I have a couple calls of action for you. First of all, if anyone has heard something that stirred your heart, please reach out to one of the pastors. Anyone would love to talk with you and help you go to the next step. Secondly, I've been involved for a couple years reading through scripture with the group. We're just finishing the Gospels. We're, gonna, we're getting ready to start an Acts. We're going to finish from here until the end of the year, finishing the Bible. If you've never done that before, I'd invite you to read with us. Send me a message. Third, we've heard two things that are happening today with our church, and they need help. And they're going to both serve our community. One is the barn party, where we get to have a lot of fun, but we also invite our neighbors to come in. There's going to be a sign-up table out in the lobby. And the last call for you is that we're not meeting here next week. Where are we going to be? We're going to be at Exploria Stadium, partnering with people from across Orlando to help those in need. Again, there's going to be a sign-up table. We need help. Please sign up and help if you can. Otherwise, we'll be having a church service there at noon. We will not be here at all next Saturday. We will be at Exploria Stadium serving our community. And so whatever dangerous route you choose to take with your expressions of worship, remember this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, amen. Richard, thank you so much for bringing God's word to us today. Privilege. And thank you um, personally for your candor today, as well as your consistency in ministry. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, You have conducted a lot of events, services, events, and other things. And I'm sure you have been roundly criticized by something, as well as probably roundly praised. How do you prepare for worship? What do you do that connects you with God and the purpose of worship? That's a great question. The first thing that, that I do 
as I prepare these services, when I, it's up to me to choose music, is that I pray. And I pray that God will um, inspire and that someone will be touched in some way. And it's, it's interesting how God works those details out. And of course, you know, then it comes to my training and to put the pieces together and to understand that and I look at the themes and all that. But, but I think when we always start with prayer, if we really believe those things, then God is at work. Amen. And it's fun to watch that. That's neat. You, you've suggested, and I love this. Frankly, it was a very fresh approach to me that worship is not just something we do an hour a week. Worship is something that's really, um, it goes across a spectrum. Um, are there things that, that we would suggest are acceptable in worship? Things that maybe are not acceptable? You, you know, the, the, the title of the series was Dangerous Worship, which suggests maybe we're moving toward a point that's not. And, and if so, what would those things be? So, or otherwise, what's the good side of it? Right. Well, you know, um, we do find in Scripture there there are things that that God doesn't like, and there are these, you know, really negative stories of people doing uh, things that that God has said not to do. But when it comes to the New Testament, they don't say an awful lot about what we should do. It's a, it's as some commenter said, it's the New Testament is strangely silent about what we should do. And I think the reason is that they knew that the the gospel is going to spread across the entire world. And if you start telling people exactly what they can do, then you're really limiting God. You're right. And so each culture brings some rich piece to the table. And that's one of the things I love about being here is I've, I've loved to learn. I remember when I was trying to experiment uh, with music from the islands and, you know, I was talking to Ron about you know, well, how do we do this? And, 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 and I even have made missteps and that's okay. And that's okay. I'm, I'm willing to learn to do it. And I think that we have a con as a congregation are much better for that. Well, I love your bridge analogy. I, I frankly don't like going over bridges because they're kind of scary, but, but they do span two two major areas. And what you, what you've really shown to us, I think is between where we're at and where God is that, that opportunity. And sometimes the wind blows, sometimes things are you know, not exactly uh, perfect, but that's good. One last question, Richard. Um, you have obviously a personal wide range of, of, of musical abilities as well as musical tastes and musical uh, strengths. What, what speaks to you most personally, most personally in either private or, or public worship? What, what, kind of, what kind of dangerous expressions speak to you personally? You know, um, when it comes to, so for instance, like genres of music, I think of them as like my children, like which child do I like the best? <laughs> and it really, and do you want to know which child? I'm, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, both, both. Obviously. And, and so, uh, but on a different level, what I really love is um, people who used to do something mm. and then to help them re-engage with their Amen. talent and to use that again and, and to see them, the expression that they have to use in worship and even their family's interaction, there's a, something that's very joyful for me to watch people use their talents that maybe has been dormant for a that's while. That's beautiful. It's about the people of worship, yeah. true, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, Richard, there's going to be many more questions that you'll get the opportunity to answer in our upcoming podcast, available wherever podcasts are sold. So, or listened to, or 
or called or whatever, tweeting and Twittering and all of those things. Richard, thank you so much for leading us in worship today. I appreciate that very much. Congregation, as we we close today, um, you can engage, to continue to engage with this at wholechurch backslash live and join the conversation. And once again, to remind you, we will not be here next week. No one will be here. The doors will be locked. We will be at Exploria Stadium. And we want you to come with us. And if you can't serve the community, come and worship with us at noon. But we're going to have a concert going on from 9 o'clock on. We'll be sharing different ministries that are happening across Orlando. And we get to partner to serve Christ together. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the tremendous opportunity that we have to live dangerously for you. As we take a breath and we feel our lungs expand, we realize that you've given us breath, that you've knitted us together, that you've given us minds to think and to serve with our bodies. Lord, may we extend the grace that you've given us to one another. In your name we pray, amen. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace, and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. All focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.